So tonight, um, I would like to explore with you some of the uh, uh, what stumbling blocks of uh, this practice of just being here. And um, to start with, I usually like to write a poem which somehow um, centers my mind about uh, where I'd like to go with this. So, this is what I wrote this afternoon. And first, just a preface here. Uh, this is, feels like, uh, this is, I call it first talk because it's been about six, seven weeks um, that I have been, uh, I would say, in retreat. Uh, actually, I didn't see a whole lot of people during that time and uh, have not digested uh, a lot that uh, happened to me during that time. So um, I don't know how that comes out or affects whatever happens. But uh, anyway, this is uh, what I wrote today for you. Today was a good day. Listening to the whispering, the hum below the mind chatter, of so many stories told and retold. So many talks of mountains, pilgrimages, lakes, caves, foreign lands, demons and angels, saints, sinners, and clowns stumbling, always stumbling, some human fragility exposed, trying not to rush to some conclusion, but to dangle on the ledge of not knowing. Entangled in the ferocity of waiting. Why not? Relaxing in some small place where the grief and the dark waters of life's truth ease. Some breath between breaths that releases that burnt past leaving some expansion, a luminosity, some awareness of the infinite close at hand. When every strategy has failed, standing on the precipice, shouting, I can't take it anymore. So everything falls away. Plop. So the first night, uh, Gil uh, talked about just this, the simplicity that uh, this practice is really about just uh, being here. You know, it sounds so simple just to be here. And the uh, uh, need in some way to let go of uh, what was and what will be, uh, to kind of rest in what... Uh, exists in, in presence and uh, using this mindfulness uh, to um, what, recalibrate uh, who and how we are in some way. Uh, I spoke that first evening about the two things of 
been, in a sense, holding me uh, in that here, and that's one of them is this word surrender. Uh, and that that uh, has been uh, and is and will stay uh, this uh, in the silence when that mind chatter and all your old stories and the wounds you come in with and uh, the things you believe to be true. Is it so? Is it so? And how, and how do we approach that here in some way that uh, allows this uh, surrender to happen? And I use this word kindness, that somehow with this here there is some way that we have to uh, allow uh, allow that uh, that power of presence in here to uh, be something that's more important than uh, these stories, your past, and who you think you are, and how it's supposed to be, and all that. I love uh, Mary's, what I call the three C's. I was trying to recall them. This fact that in the here, somehow, that we have to generate in some some way, uh, which she simply named as the curiosity, that necessity uh, to uh, investigate, uh, to... Uh, Uh, it's a quality on one side of uh, interest uh, and relaxation together. Uh, because it's not going to go anywhere. This actually doesn't go anywhere. No, it's just uh, simply how, how do you work with staying here? So there was this uh, word curiosity and there was this word confidence. And I think sometimes the, that gets uh, shaken here, uh, particularly by this uh, the third day when uh, we have uh, somewhat settled in. But then as we settle in, uh, this... And confidence in some ways gets shaken uh, by our sometimes our old stories or our desire or 
sleepiness comes in or some kind of restlessness or uh, some anticipation of worry, uh, sometimes simply just excitement. Uh, not even about anything, just excitement. No. Uh, and then uh, there is the questioning, uh, which goes from sense of curiosity uh, to, um, what am I doing here? You know, what's this all about? And we began to fall into the kind of this precipice uh, known as doubt. Uh, so these happen. They're part of the uh, of what uh, pulls us some ways away from the confidence of, of uh, what we're doing here. But this is uh, a practice that um, is here to push somewhat your own limits, you know, from your kind of comfort. To expand, expand uh, kind of your own kind of narrowness, these little boxes that we so carefully have created uh, called, you know, ourselves with such compelling stories, uh, with such, uh, in a sense, a kind of ferocity of tenacity of, uh, of how and who we think we are and how important we are in that. Kind of the center uh, there are all these centers of the world sitting here. No. That's what we are. No. And the practice is actually first, in that sense, to identify it. Uh, maybe to see some of its shortcomings. And then uh, that third C that uh, Mary talked about is uh, then uh, there is a possibility um, when that uh, narrowness of who we think we are is somehow thinned out, that there is uh, the sense of contentment, that somehow here is enough. Uh, last summer, when I was here, um, I was teaching and I was uh, preparing uh, for uh, one of the big excursions of my life, uh, which I have always been a, a great proponent of uh, what uh, the idea that somehow over there uh, there's something that will. Uh, empower me or give me some insight. Uh, so I've spent a lot of my life uh, running off to uh, exotic places in the world uh, on what I call pilgrimages. So I think last summer I talked about the fact that I had uh, gone to Java to a place called Borbador, which is the, um, during the uh, 
uh, 8th century, they, uh, the, the great Buddhist world of Indonesia uh, built the uh, largest uh, sort of phenomenal mountain mandala in the world that still exists in the middle of the jungles there. Uh, which uh, I believe is, I think, if you do this full circum- circumambulation uh, around this uh, lava-built, car- all-carved, uh, I guess you could call it it's a monument stupa, uh, uh, I think it's six kilometers to actually walk around the whole thing to come to the top of uh, this great Buddhist monument in the middle of Java. I mean, it was one of my great uh, longings, you know, before uh, I kicked the bucket, which uh, seems a little closer this year. So or I've gotten a little more insight into what that is. And then the other one, which has been there for, oh, almost 40 years, has been to go to in Tibet up on the highest plateau of Tibet, which is... Uh, 15,000 feet uh, is uh, they call the Crystal Mountain and it is uh, the, the name of it is Mount Kailash and uh, also uh, known in the text is Meru or Sumeru and it is uh, sort of the representation of uh, the pinnacle or the uh, spiritual endeavor for uh, what uh, for they say for ten thousand years, for uh, the first I know of it, the in Persia, the uh, Zoroasters uh, made pilgrimages there, uh, sort of pre-Muslim times, and then there was the uh, Hindus where they believe Shiva and Parvati live, and um, there's also of course the Bonds was there still is their kind of central place and uh, for uh, the Tibetan Buddhists so uh, the caves of Milarepa or uh, if you know Shapkar, some of the great uh, Tibetan saints that would go and uh, either circumambulate or live for periods of time around this mountain. Uh, uh, one of these heart desire things. I had a great longing. I'll read. This is from actually what I found back in the late 60s when I read Lama Govinda's uh, book, The Way of the White Clouds, uh, which was one of my first what, inspirations into uh, Buddhism and um, kind of the esoterics also of it and uh, the magic behind it. And Lama Govinda writes, The power of such a mountain is so great yet so subtle that without compulsion people are drawn to it, as if by the force of some invisible magnet. And they will undergo untold hardships and privations in their inexcusable urge to approach and to worship the center of this sacred power. Instead of conquering it, the religious-minded man prefers to be conquered by the mountain. 
So uh, sometimes I have a hard time uh, talking about this as magic uh, because I think sometimes it's uh, um, uh, what the sort of scientific world uh, may conflict with that. But I do see that uh, the journey I took there uh, actually uh, had magic involved in it. And was I, what I was hoping for was it would be uh, some kind of bliss or some kind of higher consciousness or some uh, transpersonal experience. Uh, but what I found, it has unleashed uh, a set of, um, you could say, uh, difficulties from one side, but I would say that now I'm looking, and I haven't finished yet, as opportunities to look at uh, how uh, how all this works in some way. And I know um, about a month ago when I was really in deep suffering um, and there was part of me that just, um, you know, Uh, kept saying, I, I can't take it anymore. No. It's just enough. No. Uh, that looking at how uh, the world works in some way and how uh, people are, you know, uh, there's a part of it that's so kind and gentle and loving and another part that's so um, fearful and jealous and uh, warlike, you know, these two opposites inside of us. And that somehow uh, this practice is not that we're going to transcend that. Or we're not going to move away from that. Uh, we're going to learn about it. And learn about it means that we have to sit kind of in the center of it and allow it to touch us, inform us. So when you sit here and, you know, whether it's your knee that hurts or whether uh, your back or some old pain that's there, or you come in with some story that, uh, of, um, you know, the world, no one said it was going to be fair. No. Uh, or some old history of, you know, how um, maybe you weren't treated. Uh, uh, in a way that um, was uh, behooving of human goodness or kindness, that you did not experience that. It's okay to have that here. No. Uh, the Buddha, in many ways, just uh, the, his story was the fact that he went and he confronted. He spent, you know, six years in uh, what what they say austerities, where he. Uh, simply uh, sat and, um, uh, in essence, uh, through his power of will and concentration, uh, was able to transcend uh, the world as uh, actually as we know it. And I think all of us in many ways have um, learned uh, techniques and ways uh, to... Uh, turn away from or bypass or avoid 
uh, what's here. And our practices actually are, the qualities here are learned to somehow uh, allow uh, and uh, not to deny or push away or fight these states, but actually learn about them, get to know them really well. You know, uh, with a sense of curiosity and uh, a sense of... uh, uh, of allowing or surrendering uh, with some kindness so that uh, they no longer hold us in these specific trances. This is from a piece from uh, David White and John Donahue. You start to realize after a while that the consuming wish for safety and security is the wish to hold yourself from the frontier experiences of your own life. There's nothing wrong with security and safety in the right place with our families and all the rest. But the individual human path And pilgrimage is a radical journey of encounter and appearances and disappearances. And if you take the understanding of safety too literally throughout your life, then you'll be unwilling to die at the appropriate moments and disappear. And you lose your sense of courage also, because when things get difficult, instead of leaping towards the center of the flame itself, You're looking for a place away from the heat. There's a way that we should be eaten by life. That we should be absolutely consumed by it. There's nothing worse than getting to your deathbed and finding that you've been gummed to death. (laughs) You've never been able to give yourself over to the teeth of existence. Your own life. I feel is a very fierce thing to follow because it's constantly leading you into larger and larger imaginative territories for which you feel you are unprepared, which you will enter almost as a child no matter what time of your life you've gotten to. If you're truly following your life and your path, a part of you will always feel like you're a child in a new world. been trying to digest uh, one of the things that was going on was this thing around aversion of um, trying to say this is enough, push it away. Uh, There was a point where 
I'd been taken off of uh, pain medications and I was uh, in terrible pain. And um, the thing I kept saying is, I just want it, I just want out. I just want it out. Mm-hmm. No. And, it, it, and it was interesting because it's this place between, uh, you could say oh, one part of it's uh, almost, uh, it's a funny edge between almost suicide on one level and uh, another one, another side of it is so close that, um, you know, uh, it's enough. You know, I've had enough. And I realized that that little edge is so important because that's the place that when the Buddha sat and he said, oh, you know, the whole thing boils down to this where uh, that rubbing, that burning uh, is, uh, he used the word dukkha, you know, uh, unsatisfactoriness. That somehow um, none of us uh, will be able to avoid this peace, you know. And yet at the same time, um, having gone through it and coming outside the other side of it now and, and uh, realizing that somehow uh, the world that of the senses of seeing and hearing and smelling and feeling uh, uh, is such a gift uh, for the time that it's not it's temporary. Uh, it's very temporary. And so our sitting here learning about uh, these, uh, sometimes the edges where, you know, there may, may be boredom, you know, and boredom is such a fierce, wonderful teacher, you know, that somehow that discomfort when uh, we think nothing's happening, and so the mind is always ready to look for something else, maybe a story or something in the future that's there. And this quality of being able to hang in that discomfort. Sometimes it's referred to as the doorway to peace. That boredom actually is the doorway to peace. And yet we just know it as an aversive state. And so I encourage you just when boredom comes up or uh, some discomfort comes up. And it's not that I'm saying you should just, you know, because your knee hurts, your back hurts, you should... Um, there's a certain point where you need to move. But there's this quality of curiosity and ability to kind of hang in there for a little while and uh, uh, recognize in some way that it, it has uh, some... Uh, there's some piece about learning how to surrender that's being taught to you over and over again in little ways here that don't seem like much, you know. Uh, 
uh, in the same way when, you know, this, uh, I was thinking about one of the hindrances is uh, pleasantness and um, uh, sort of desire for something uh, different uh, than what's happening. And one of the truths again, uh, there was aversion, but there was also the desire for uh, not being in the conditions that I was in. But somehow, there was something else. You know, I could be somewhere else or experience something different. possibility of that friendliness. Allowing it to arise and uh, when Gil was talking about here that there is this fundamental intelligence that's part of who you are that can actually Recognize the difference of going with it and getting lost in it or uh, actually being informed by it. Uh, They're two different things. This is a bit long, but it's uh, letters from a young poet, and um, it's something uh, I feel has so much poignancy, kind of where uh, this third night where we are and what's going on. We have no reason to harbor any mistrust against our world. For it is not against us. If it has terrors, they are our terrors. If it has abysses, these abysses belong to us. If there are dangers, we must try to love them. And if only we arrange our life in accordance with the principles which tell us that we must always trust in the difficult. Then what now appears to us, the most alien, will become our most intimate and trusted experience. How could we forget those ancient myths that stand at the beginning of all races? 
the myths about dragons that at the last moment are transformed into princesses. Perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting for us to act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is in the deepest essence something helpless that wants our love. So you mustn't be frightened, dear Mr. Crofts, if a sadness rises in front of you larger than any you have ever seen. If an anxiety like light and clouds, shadows, moves over your hands and over everything you do, you must realize that something is happening to you. That life has not forgotten you. That it holds you in its hands and will not let you fall. Why do you want to shut out of your life in uneasiness, any misery, any depression, since after all, you don't know what work these conditions are doing inside of you? So we sit and watch our breath, feel our bodies. Sometimes this feels like this is not enough. So we go off some world. We forget. At some point you remember. If you remember, if you can just feel what it feels like in the body, you know, there's a sense of what wanting is always somehow, uh, it doesn't have the contentment that Mary was talking about. What happens is you're leaning out of the moment, you're leaning forward, you're leaning into. And then suddenly when you remember from this practice of just coming back and just being here. There has to be that awareness. Know what the difference is. You know, this is what the learning is, of knowing the difference between what the wanting is like and what the here is like. And it's subtle. But each time that we come back and we recognize that and there's that basic intelligence there, then there is this learning that's happening here uh, that may seem impossible to you. You know, what am I doing here? You know? And all I can say is, you are learning, it's very subtle. And it's teaching you how to surrender. And as you learn to surrender and you recognize the truth of this humanness, that also there is some kindness more for yourself in that wanting. 
in the same time, when there are moments when you uh, go, oh, you know, I don't like this. You know? Or so-and-so, you know, some old story comes up and, you know, the aversive or the angry or the jealous uh, arises and we contract and we, uh, we actually push away from what's here. We actually lean back. You know, and that kind of contraction, it's okay. That's just being here. It's being in this world. But there's also a moment where uh, we remember. And you suddenly come back to here. Right? And in that little moment right there, between uh, the moment of that contraction and that aversiveness and that pushing away and uh, that sometimes judgment or kind of the inner critic that's uh, captured us or put us in a trance. That the moment, that, w- that moment of waking up, you know, it's really noticing what's it feel like in the body? What's it feel like when it's not there? You know, so there's actually this this subtle recognition. <laughs> Uh, is not something you have to do anything about. This learning is happening despite yourself. No. And there's other times where, you know, you're sitting here and and, um, you doze off. And there are many reasons for that to happen. Uh, But uh, there's also a waking up that happens. Sometimes we fight the sleepiness, sometimes uh, we drift off. But there is a waking up that happens. You know? And again, in that moment, uh, the, that recognition, that intelligence that's there, uh, knowing the difference, knowing the difference between sometimes just tiredness and resistance. You know? And recognizing that there is a difference between the two. Uh, And one is quite natural and the other um, uh, it's another type of teaching. We have to learn about resistance. In the same way other times there's uh, we sit here and um, it seems like the body has uh, energetics of its own where it just uh, gets anxious and vibrates and uh, has uh, no intention of being still and resting. It can be quite uh, disconcerting. But at some moment, that restlessness will subside. And it's right there, that's where this intelligence is. And probably the most difficult of all these uh, is doubt, and I think there's two kinds of doubt. There's one kind of doubt, I call it the big D, which is um, one of the wonders of the Western uh, 
mind, I think, here. Is it, and it's part of that curiosity that, uh, uh, that Mary Grace was talking about. That um, you're all here, I mean, we would all stay within our own kind of cultures and religion, all that stuff, but you're all here. This place is a little different, huh? <laughs> you know? Than our cultural reference. You know? So, there is this fundamental question you know, uh, about who I am, who I think I am. And I think that's, that's one of the great gifts that you all bring. Is this kind of big doubt about uh, the uh, enormous question? Uh, it is uh, kind of the uh, quintessential piece of the path itself. But then there is also another doubt, and it's doubts about the and the um, can I do this? Am I enough? Um, this little d, which uh, basically stops us from... It's almost as if we stay on the surface of things and we don't allow ourselves to drop down. And this whole process is based on the capacity to just go deeper. You know, just to go deeper. Sometimes it's in the stillness, sometimes in the silence, uh, sometimes in the slowness of the walking... Or just picking up your fork, bringing it to your mouth, and opening your mouth, and putting food in it, and uh, the wonder of slowly chewing on it. This process of just going deeper. And the subtlety that then comes into that curiosity and that questioning of What is this little box that I walk around in called myself? Is that enough? And the practice is simple. You don't have to do anything about that. All you have to do is surrender with some kindness. You get pulled away, but you come back. You get pulled away, you come back. I think that's enough. I'll read my poem again to end here. first talk, and I put parenthesis in, after illness. <laughs> Today was a good day. Listening to the whispering, the hum below the mind chatter of so many stories told and retold. So many talks of mountains, pilgrimages, Lakes, caves, foreign lands, demons, and angels. 
saints, sinners, and clowns, stumbling, always stumbling, some human fragility exposed, trying not to rush to some conclusion, but to dangle on the ledge of not knowing, entangled in the ferocity of waiting. Why not? Relaxing in some small place where the grief and the dark waters of life's truths ease. Some breath between breaths that releases the burnt past, leaving some expansion, a luminosity, some awareness of the infinite close at hand. When every strategy has failed, standing on the precipice, shouting, I can't take it anymore. So everything falls away. Plop. 